up, guys? Casey and George back on Tuesday here with a little GBR action at 5 o'clock. We always got to thank those sponsors first thing in the show. TSR Racing Products, BRG 3D Printed Racing Parts, Champs Performance Parts, Syntex Printing down there in Temple, Texas, and, of course, Driven Racing Oil, where you can use the code GBR10, get yourself 10% off your entire order, anything you want over there. But, yeah, George, we had a lot going on this weekend. We had, we had a lot to uh, – we got something we need to shout out, and I think you need to be the man to do it. Who, me? Why, is hey, it because my name is George? It seems like you might have been in Xenia, but it wasn't you. <laughs> well, I'm in more than one place at a time, you know. My old man uh, got to shout him out. Good job making the finals uh, out there at the last day of the uh, TV Promotions 50K event in, in Xenia. And, and uh, old man drove pretty good. I know he's going to watch this and probably smile ear to ear. Um, even though you had me worried there at least once, that old car got a little squirrely on you there towards the finish line, but good job saving her. And, uh, definitely, uh, was an interesting and eventful day, uh, for, for me and my brother. I don't think I've yelled at a TV screen as much in a long time, you know, so, uh, definitely was a fun weekend. We can recap that, uh, in a little bit more detail, uh, maybe next week, you know, uh, but, uh, definitely since we're on the subject, I want to take time right now, guys. I don't know if you need to set an alarm clock. I, I don't know if you want to put a reminder on your emails or your Google calendars, whatever the case may be, but it's coming, guys, and it's coming fast. Uh, TB Promotions is going to be having that race, the Twin 50s in St. Louis. I want to say that the uh, pre-entry starts May 24th, and um, if, if you snooze, you lose, because I'm pretty sure that, that thing's going gonna, gonna to fill up really fast, guys. Uh, especially being in St. Louis, haven't had a big money race there in a long time, in my opinion, um, in the middle of everything there. So uh, don't don't miss out. Look at that buyback uh, on that uh, that warm up race. It's a progressive style system. It's just something new, a little wrinkle into it. Uh, but definitely set those alarms. Texas boys, if you want to get in a, a good old entourage with me, I think there's maybe eight of us going so far. Uh, let's let's make the trip and represent Texas on up in St. Louis. So. Ah, Casey, man, uh, definitely was an eventful weekend, though. Well, Absolutely, we got man. It, it was cool to see old Big George up there in uh, in the finals, man. We uh, we were all cheering him on from uh, from behind the Motormania TV, <laughs> and uh, and it was really cool. I do I do got to them. I didn't see that GBR sticker flying proud <laughs> on that roadster. I know it's on that dragster, but I didn't see it on the roadster, Big George. What's up with that? But uh, no, guys, let me tell you right now, this is why you need to hit the subscribe button on the Gold Bracket Racing YouTube channel or get us on the podcast or hit the follow and the like and the share and everything you hit on Facebook because we have one of the winningest racers in NHRA history with us right now and the promoter of the Fling Bracket Racing Series, Mr. Peter Biondo. What's up, Pete? How you doing, guys? Thanks for uh, having me on. Hey, definitely. Absolutely, man. Definitely. Thanks, thanks for taking time out of your day to come and and and. and chop it up with us going bracket racing youtube followers and and uh fans of uh the gbr uh brand there so pete every time we have a guest on the show we're gonna go right we're just gonna dive right in the first question that comes up is how did you get into drag racing what how'd you get bit by the bug well i'm not sure i had too much of a choice i was pretty much born at the drag races um so my father sam Biondo. Um, he was the, and I'm going to be boastful here a little bit, but he was the man in my eyes anyway, back in the, uh, in the seventies. Um, and, uh, we, that's where we spent our weekends. Uh, that's what we talked about during the week and that's where I was at. So, uh, he, like in my father's eyes, he, he would tell us that he probably overexposed us to the sport. And with that, we were either going to run away from it or be all in. And obviously, the latter happened. Definitely, man. The, uh, that's kind of the same, same story George and I had just growing up at the track and everything. I know you were fully immersed in it and everything with the family business, which we'll get into it here in a little while. But uh, obviously, you're one of the best that, that's ever done this. In fact, I want to say that in Tucson, didn't you just win a 10 grander earlier this year in Marco's car? I did. Nice. And 
I was watching last night, there's a YouTube channel, I can't remember the name of it right now, but they put together just a montage of your your round performances for like some stuff whenever Nick's won some races and, and stuff like that. And uh, they put yours together. And I want to say, at least from what I counted, I can't remember anything that wasn't double O. Yeah, I, uh, and you know what, that's, that's what it takes these days. Uh, I mean, you can win with 30s and 20s and right place, right time. Um, but that weekend, everything was clicking. And, um, one thing I will say is that racing with Marco Paravalaris and his family was a, uh, a huge plus in many ways. One of the ways was that we were feeding off each other, you know, and, and that kid's good. Mark my words. When I tell you that kid is going to be someone to, uh, to keep your eyes on. Uh, so he'd get back to the trailer and. Uh, or I'd get back to the trailer because I typically ran it before him, and I'd be like, yeah, 005, get some of that. And he'd whip the time slip out, 003, get some of that. So we were feeding off each other, and uh, I think uh, I think that had a lot to do with it. Now, obviously, you know, a lot of your history is back in the class racing side of things, one of the, one of the winningest class racers of all time. Um, how How many different class championships, I guess, uh, do you have at this point and how many different categories? Uh, as far as uh, world championships? Well, we consider we consider anything divisional, national, stuff like that. I know that uh, the national side of things is what really everybody strives for. But uh, I want to say, is, is Jake Coughlin one of the, are you tied with him or does he have one more than you or close to him, are you? As far as national event wins in different categories, yes, uh, Jeg is leading with seven different categories, uh, and um, I have I'm sitting with six right now as far as national event wins in different categories. And I gave it a shot in top director a few times, uh, most notably Indy a few years ago, and I uh, came up one round short. But that's uh, that's where that stat stands. Wow. Indy Indy on top of it, <laughs> but. Uh, so what are some of the differences between bracket racing and class racing? Do you have to utilize any sort of different strategies uh, due to rules packages and things like that in class racing? And when I say class racing, I mean, obviously I'm referring to like the stock super stock type stuff or comp eliminator or something like that. But, uh, you know, do you have to utilize any different strategies? We had Tyler Bohannon on and obviously he's big into super stock class racing. And, uh, you know, he was just kind of giving us some ideas and pointers on you know, obviously in Superstock, you can't necessarily use a Holley 4150 carburetor that you might have figured out for your motor and stuff like that. So yeah, there's, 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 there's rules uh, that differ from bracket racing, but the one thing that stands out to me the most is it's a, it's a different mindset. It's, it's not not running for 24 hours in a row and then having to put a dial in on the car like it's harder to get into a rhythm at the national events because you don't have the you're not running uh, every round you know around every couple hours sometimes uh and i'll just say go right to the extreme indy i mean you run you run first round maybe seven o'clock seven a.m in the morning and you might not run on saturday morning you might not run your second round till sunday night in the dark so uh, it's a it's definitely more of a mental game the uh, the NHRA stuff because you have to find ways to stay sharp with those long gaps between rounds. And I imagine that'd be kind of tough too. You know, there's a uh, number one in India at that time of the year. It's fairly hot. Um, so so getting into an air conditioner and and sitting around and hopefully hopefully not sitting around but staying off your feet enough to where you're not dog tired because you're walking around all over the place but I, I know for me if I'm in an air conditioner and a couch on a couch too long well I'm gonna snooze out I'm gonna catch some Z's really really fast there so uh, I can imagine how that would be uh, much different than, than than going to maybe a fling event where you get you know you get several rounds in that day maybe you do split it up who knows what's happening but you're at least gonna run two or three times that day you know yeah, totally different mindset, um, and uh, you know you got to use it to your advantage. Uh, I've had good luck at Indy because of that. Um, 
But it's harder. It's harder in certain ways. And the people that go on and see the numbers at, let's say, stock and super stock and say, oh, man, my buddy John Smith, he can go 20s all day long. These guys are winning with 30 lights. Well, there's more to the story. Um, it's a lot harder to get in the rhythm, like I said earlier, and a lot harder to have that grouping. Now, don't get me wrong. If Nick Hastings hopped into a stocker, um, I see him carrying a, carrying a Wally uh, sooner than later because he's that talented. But his numbers may not, probably won't be as good as they are in uh, in the bracket cars, uh, only because of, you know, getting into the rhythm. No, it definitely makes a lot of sense. And, and so my next question coming in, we switch gears just a little bit. We'll bounce back and forth between uh, racing and, of course, at the same time, racing products. We are talking to Biondo himself, uh, everyone here from Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. Pete, what can you tell us about Biondo Racing Products as far as the story? How'd you guys get going? Uh, and uh, what are you still selling today? As I know there's probably a pretty good list of things that you guys got going on there. Uh, absolutely. Um, so we started, um, I'm going to say 35, 30 or 35 years ago. And it started in a one-car garage. My father um, just packing up orders, me and my brother coming home from uh, school and helping him pack up orders, loading up the station wagon with six, 10 boxes and going to the UPS store. Um, you know, it's it started from basically with practice trees. My father saw that if you practiced at home, you know, and, and this sounds this sounds very um, like you heard it a million times, but back in the day, there wasn't a lot of practice trees. There was none, as a matter of fact. So we had made out of two by fours with bug lights. His buddy made him a practice tree and just for him to play with and then one thing led to another and you know his buddy come out would come over oh, i want one of those and his buddy would come over oh, i want one of those and he's so his friends started building practice trees that's where it all started and it led into um other uh it led into delay boxes it led into a partnership with ike the old the uh, late ike hammer and digital delay um more recently sparko and safety equipment but um yeah, man. Uh, it just it, it's it was a, always a family business that, you know, I tell people that I learned I went to college four years in uh, St. John's University and I learned more sitting next to my father's desk, listening to him on the phone um, in one year than I did in all four years of college. Um, so that, that that's kind of that gives you a little bit of the scope of of how it got started in Queens, New York, a little one-car garage. Now, I'll tell you guys something that you might find funny. Um, up until seven years ago, we never had a shop. We always ran it out of this house. Uh, so people would think, oh, man, beyond the racing, they probably have, you know, uh, you know, a big system, conveyor belts, and, you know, they picture all the stuff in their head. The truth was my bedroom had uh one of the bedrooms had sparkle in it one of the bedrooms had digital lay in it and the, the basement was the offices and uh my father was all about low overhead and i think that's what kept us in business for so long because a lot of the small mom and pop companies dropped out definitely and that's a lot of people forget about that when it has to do with business is the number one the number one thing is you have to make a profit and everybody wants low-priced items. Well, the only way to have low-priced items that aren't junk is for the business owner to be smart enough to keep that overhead low enough to be able to provide those, to provide a quality product at a reasonable price through their sacrifices. Correct. Uh, absolutely. And uh, when you're young, you, you know, you just you just want to advertise and sell. Uh, but my father, with his wisdom. Um, kind of kept us in line there because if it was up to me I when I was younger I you know it just felt good to sell right so you want to advertise more and more and more but that's that's a recipe for bankruptcy <laughs> exactly to say the least so 
Let's talk a little bit about the uh, fling series since we're kind of on the business subject right now. Obviously, you're, you know, that's that's one of your bread and butter type things is the fling series, and it's one of the greatest events in my opinion out here right now. But uh, obviously, you came up with that with Kyle back in back in the day. How long how long ago was that? Twenty years, something like that. Fifteen. So um, actually, 2010. 2010. So roughly, what's that, 12 years, I guess, now. Right. Um, so who initially came up with the idea to put on a, a big money bracket race and, I guess, starting with an event, which inevitably turned into one of the flagship big money series right now in the U.S.? So it all started on a, uh, a trip to Lake Tahoe. Myself, my, my wife, Kyle and his wife, we went to Lake Tahoe just on a uh, New Year's Eve, Christmas New Year's Eve vacation. And uh, somewhere in the middle of the trip, we were trying to make a schedule. We had no intentions on any of you know, race promoting to this point. Uh, but in the middle of the trip, we, we started, uh, we said, let's make a schedule. I, I mean, him being from California, me being from New York, we wanted to race together more often. So let's put up, a, let's make a schedule together, bracket race schedule. And... At that point, the Moroso 2010-ish, the Moroso five-day kind of lost its uh, pop, so to speak. Um, and we really couldn't find any events on a schedule that got us excited. And uh, that's when we whipped out a, uh, a book and just started. We said, you know what, why don't we try and do one? And uh, it's pretty crazy now that you think about it because that was January and 2010 and our event was in april 2010 and we guaranteed three twenty thousand dollar races um we basically just started drawing on a piece of paper uh what we'd like to see if we were at a as a racer at a bracket race and uh four months later we uh we showed up at bristol and we opened up the gates and one of the one of the coolest things in my opinion about the fling events that you guys do which is I mean, people try to do it, but they don't do it to the level that the fling does, in my opinion, is the number of giveaways you have at a race where it's very, like, it's no secret, no matter what big money race flyer you look at, the entry fee is a reasonable amount of money, like a decent amount of money is what I'm what I'm trying to say. But it's very possible to win $1,000 worth of merchandise without even you know, necessarily winning around because you could be best losing package. You could have all kinds of drawings. Um, it's, it's, I, I know you gave away numerous sets of brand new slicks. Those aren't cheap anymore. If you can even find them half the time. Um, how, uh, I mean, I guess just speak to, speak to that a little bit, just, just about the whole theory of giving stuff away to people that isn't, that aren't necessarily in the final round. Sure. Well, to start with, when we were drawing up our business model, we both were under the, we, we both understood that probably less than 10% of the racers are going to leave with more money, with less money than they came with between the travel expenses, the fuel, the entry fees, etc. So we wanted, we, we wanted to leave them with an experience with memories and part of that was the giveaways um and fortunately for us we had a great relationship with a lot of spots with a lot of companies from our own racing um from kyle and i's own racing endeavors and uh yeah man we just started uh calling up different companies and saying listen if you give us uh three sets of slicks they'll be the best losing package for round one, let's say, and let's just say Goodyear, for instance, all, we'll, we'll put up a banner. You know, we just kept it really simple. It was just a lot of, um, there was nothing genius about it. It was just a lot of tedious legwork to put it together. And uh, so when they're not winning money, they're, they're winning prizes. If they're not winning prizes, they're having fun at our fun zone or race appreciation barbecue and, um, all the extras that we add in there that's and, that's and, and to, to, no, to, uh, to push to to uh move on that a little bit on that um, we're in the middle of the uh which is going to be released this is a good time it's going to be released uh probably tonight or tomorrow but so like here's our 
the reason I bring it up, there's a page two on a summer fling flyer in Columbus, and um, we've actually enhanced it to where we give away cash now. So best losing package for rounds one to four each day is $500 cash. You walk away with money. Uh, and then the last three rounds are tires. So we try to keep the giveaways big enough where they're exciting for the racer and where they don't have to spend more money, not, not a buy one, get one free or, and I'm not knocking anybody else because listen, anything free is great, <laughs> but we try to make it to where the, uh, the prizes, whether they're the round prizes, best losing package or any of the other prizes on our race appreciation prize vault, we call it is something really uh something where they don't have to spend any money and a lot of times it's weather stations hardcore products like you walk out plug and play you could you could use that bad boy the next day right and that's that's what i was actually just getting ready to say was uh that's what i think is really cool because i don't know how many people read into that i usually overanalyze a lot of things but but when i was looking at that that was one of the things i recognized because it's really you know it's cool to get a certificate that says hey this is good for a thousand dollars towards x amount uh, or X product. Well, the thing is, if I have to spend another thousand, I already spent that much money racing here. You know, like I don't have that extra thousand. I spent it already. So it's really cool to get something that's a hard, a hard copy of something. You know what I mean? Like you won this. And that's what I think is really cool about the fling series, in my opinion. Definitely. Uh, I appreciate that. Definitely agree. It is definitely on my bucket list of things to do. Uh, as it pertains to drag racing, uh, I'm fairly new to the sport myself, even well, should I say driving uh, my own equipment. So uh, been around, been around drag racing my whole life. Just just finally made it into a situation where I can afford my own. So don't go anywhere, guys. We got a few commercials coming up right here. Take a quick break. We'll be right back to you. Don't go anywhere. Hit that subscribe button. TSR Racing Products has everything you need to make your Power Glide Turbo 350, Turbo 400, and 727 transmissions the best they can be on the street or at the track. With exceptional products, customer service, and over 30 years of experience, TSR Racing Products is always available to help their customers with any of their transmission needs. In-house machining ensures you only receive the best products from TSR Racing. Visit TSR Racing Products at tsr-racing.com or give them a call at 800-394. 5889. BRG Motorsports 3D printed racing parts are able to provide you with whatever you desire to enhance your drag racing operation. Items like safety belt magnets, nitrous bottle holders, and even quick release delay box mounts are able to be obtained from. BRG Motorsports 3D printer racing parts. Have a look at top selling items such as helmet hooks and steering wheel hooks, which are proven to make it easier to maneuver throughout your race car. You can contact BRG Motorsports 3D printer racing parts at telephone number 765-729-1177. All right, guys. All right. Welcome back. Welcome back. Uh, thanks for taking out the time to join us here at the Going Bracket Racing YouTube channel. As always, special shout out to those who, who have uh, decided to step on board and, 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 you know, kind of support the community all together. Don't forget those codes, guys. Uh, the Driven Racing Oil Code. Uh, and anytime you need a new transmission work, TSR is definitely there uh, to help you out if something's going on. You want to move a little bit more comfortable through that car? Uh, those seatbelt magnets over at BRG, I, I promise you now, it saved me some paint now. Um, I used to slam my door and next thing you know, my seatbelt is in there and not only does I scratch my door up, I get a little loud crunch. So BRG, can't thank you enough for what you do for my racing, uh, my racing setup there. So no, as we continue, Pete, as we keep going down the line of, of uh, things to discuss here, every, every event you have is, is pretty much at a premier event, a premier racing facility. Um, kind of handpicked and kind of the creme de la creme of what we would say as a racetrack um, to, to have a bracket race on, even a national event for that matter. What goes into um, considering what venue you select for some of these races? Um, I mean, is it more of a is, is it more of a you know um, a feel? You've had a great a great um, a great experience at certain track, or or do you 
have an idea of expanding out in the future? It, it's when we go to look at a, uh, a a venue to put a fling on, I would say the, you know, first, it's about the people. I mean, there's a lot more. Obviously, the venue has to be check all the uh check all the boxes as far as being a nice venue uh a venue that people want to be at uh so um i'd say that's that's a big part of it and that's obvious but uh the people that you're doing business with can make a big difference uh much bigger difference than you than you might think so we put a lot of weight kyle and i've always put a lot of weight on that um, about the people we're going to do business with, because ultimately, when you combine teams, when you combine staffs, um, that can make or break a race. Yeah, so, in, in order, in order of importance, I'd say, I mean, they're right, both up, right up there. I mean, the venue's it's got a, a, ni a nice facility uh, with plenty of parking, good staging lanes, uh, good track surface, uh, good people that run the place. Um, and geographically on the map, it's got to fit to where we're looking to reach out to. So when we had Vegas, we started off with Tennessee, to Bristol, down Vegas. And then we went to uh, Galat Motorsports Park. And then we decided that it made no sense to do another one right there on the East Coast. So we, we North Central Division, uh, Columbus is the one we, we, uh, we picked next. Definitely, man. As far as expanding, is that was that part of the question too? Yep. You looking to venture out any? Um, you know, I'd say, I'd say not anytime soon. I'm uh, I'm more about quality over quantity, and I'd much rather have four really good racers where I have, where I have, um, how do I say this? Um, really good really good quality control versus six that i'm starting to be a scatterbrain and my staffs are worn out um so i think four is going to be our happy place for a while absolutely man and uh as far as this big money bracket racing uh thing goes uh it's kind of turned into i mean it's really exploded in the last five years to say the least uh, maybe just a little bit longer than that. But, I mean, like, who would have ever thought that the right guy could legitimately make a decent living bracket racing of all things? Uh, do you think that – do you think things like Motor Mania and Bang Shift and stuff like that, televising these bracket races, uh, have had something to do with, with the explosion in big money racing? Being able, Do you find it easier, for example, to sell sponsorships to the races because you can say – not only are you sponsoring a race, but it's on YouTube forever, and your product's going to be promoted for, you know, as long as the stream lasts, 12, 14, 16 hours sometimes, forever. Anytime you could bring more eyes uh, to your events, and in this case, Motor Mania and Bank Shift, uh, it, it, it's got all pluses. I can't think of anything negative about that. Uh, from a sponsorship standpoint, um also from uh you know just friends wanting to watch their friends race because they can't make the event so yeah absolutely that that played a role in uh in the um the i mean it's crazy if you think about 2010 when we first started uh there really wasn't any promoters i mean there might have been a few but it was few and far between promoters putting on events now i mean it's every turn every Every uh, corner you turn, there's there's a 20k and a 50k sitting there waiting for you. Right, and I mean, I guess uh, with you having been around the sport for pretty much your entire life, um, do you think it has something to do with the fact also? Or well, I guess I should ask this in two parts. Number one, uh, do you think that uh, do you think you've seen a revival? as far as bracket racing and people getting into it for the first time like for example junior dragster kids a lot of times what i see is junior dragster kids still might be first generation racers 
because their friend might do it and they see him at school and their dad's like, well, I like hanging out with his dad, so I guess I'll get one too. And now you got another person in where it seemed like when I was a kid, I was one of the first junior dragster kids, like back in the 90s. And uh, there were a lot of first generation racers and it was rare that like I was one of the second generation racers, but it seems like there was a lot of turnover where a lot of junior drivers weren't necessarily getting in to the big cars per se due to the amount of money it took. And maybe now everybody's saying, well, you know, it's feasible to still go to these big three day races like junior parents like to do and hang out and stuff. And it's worth buying that $20,000 race car. If I can pay $500 and have a chance to win, you know, 10. Yeah. And, and that's something we definitely need to, uh, focus on is, is keeping the interest from the young, younger generation. And when I will say this to go to a fifth event, I would love to have a junior flame. I really would. I think I love working with kids. Um, and, uh, and maybe that's where our next event is. It's, it's, uh, a spring fling, you know, a junior fling all junior drags is showcase them uh, they're our future um so yeah i i agree with everything you're saying now and the way a lot of the stuff's set up i mean really whenever you go into the talking about affordability versus what you can win why wouldn't people go into bracket racing nowadays whenever the amount of money you can spend and the amount of money you can win if you look at that it's way better than trying to be a professional race car driver on TV. Like Nick Hastings, no stacker trailer. Realistically, uh, if that car went up for sale and it wasn't said it was driven by Nick Hastings, it might be worth fifteen, twenty thousand dollars and shows up and do you think Nick Hastings has cleared a million dollars racing? <laughs> Listen, I I don't know I don't know uh, financially what he's cleared. But I will say this, and I told him this when I at one of the flings recently. I, I said, I don't think, I said, Nick, I don't think that people, it's really sinking in what you're doing right now. I mean, the way that kid comes to a race off the foot and just annihilates guys that have dragsters, delay boxes, you name it, um, is incredible. Um, so I know I didn't directly answer your question there, but I don't care if he won a million dollars or not. What he's doing is epic. It's incredible. It's probably the better answer we could get. The guy is uh, unconscious, for lack of better terms. There, it's either I don't know what's going on in those veins. Uh, ice it might not it might not be right, or maybe there's a glacier that just moves through there and freezes everything <laughs> up at a certain time. I don't know, but uh, you, you you hit the nail on the head. He comes to a race. It, it's almost as if he comes in a suit and tie. Everybody knows he's there. Number one, uh, he's got some nice shoes on, be it drag racing or some church shoes, whatever you want to call it, you know. But the guy's just that good, and uh, definitely uh, I, I have uh, much pleasure in watch watching him do what he does. So. Um, Pete, I think I've heard you answer this maybe once or twice, and um, and it's 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 a question that number one I know the younger generations is probably going to be listening to quite a bit, uh, especially right now. But uh, in your opinion, Pete, what does it take to win a big money bracket race today versus in the past? I mean, um, it's more parity amongst racers right now, in my opinion. Um, and uh, I would have to say, and and have to ask you, Pete, being you know, being one of the legends of this sport, is there a specific set of, set of skills that each one of us need today that may have not been relevant in the past? Well, I, I don't think there's a specific set of skills so much as there is to know what skills to use at the right time. In other words, I see people like, I'll just compare it to the 80s when the Richardson's mopped up it's in bracket racing and superclass racing. Uh, very simple formula. Kill a tree and tighten up the stripe. Um, these days it's changed quite a bit where you're not going to turn as many wind lights on doing that because the guy in the other lane, especially being eighth mile, is going to lay down a good package. So 
you're going to try to get in front of it. You got a chance that a decent chance you're going to break out. Um, so I think just recognizing this day and age, not racing with your ego, uh, racing to turn the wind light on. I think that's most important. And as far as the skills, um, I'd say first, first and foremost, focus on getting a consistent combination because it's eighth mile. And ultimately, whether you're holding one, three, five, excuse me, or, or nothing, you want, you need to know your car's on. Um, cause you can't get away with just being double O and taking a strike. It's not going to, I mean, you can for a certain amount of rounds, but it's not going to work all day, every day. So, uh, that's the first thing I'll say is focus on getting, um, your car to repeat where you feel comfortable in the, um, in the prediction of it. Of, of, uh, and that's if you're holding a knot, you still need to know what you're on. Uh, and then you take it from there. If I was tutoring a, a youngster, I'd say, all right, we're going to start with just, just doing the basics. If you can get to the finish line first, you get there by as little as you can. If you're not getting there, I want you to drop off a little bit to, uh, protect yourself from a double breakout situation. Um, after a little bit of time, like with that, I'd say the next skill, all right, now we're going to put you as a driver. Now I'm going to tell you, you're holding five to seven hundreds. Go out there and be double O and take the stripe and show me, you know. So I think as you don't need to have all of those skills, but the more you have, the, the more selection you have for what weapon to pick out of your arsenal, uh, the better off you're going to be long term. But always play to your strengths and whatever skill that might be. And if, and if your skill, listen, if you're racing for 30 years and your skill is to hit the tree and hold it down, you know, I know a lot of people that turn on a lot of wind lights like that. I mean, J Jimmy DeFrank, Superstock, I butted heads with him over the years, uh, national championships. Uh, he'll be the first to say he's not the best at the finish line, but he puts his focus on good cars, knowing how to dial them in and putting down good packages. And at the end of the day, the name of the game is just a math problem. So if you hit the tree better than the, if you're, I mean, simple math says if you're 10 on the tree, your opponent's 12 on the tree. If you're going dead one and he's driving you and he's going to wheel you through, he has to break out. He has to. So, I mean, at the end of the day, if his plan is to take the stripe, if you beat him on the tree, then it's, it doesn't count you out of the game by any means whatsoever. But, uh, the, the hardest thing I would say, uh, I guess my question kind of jumping off of what George just asked you would be if you were say, like you said, if you were teaching a youngster how to, how to do this or, or how to race, uh, say they're in the Southeast over here, but you know, where in my opinion, this is one of the hardest races I are places I have ever raced in my entire life. And I've been around racing since I was three months old or something. And, uh, and I just think some of the best racers are out here, in my opinion, specifically at Galat Motorsports Park on your regular Summit Super Series event. But if you're if you're trying to teach this kid, say they just turned 16 and they're getting in a big car for the first time, it's their first year racing, and you're trying to teach them how to do this whole numbers thing, how do you teach them that whenever everything looks weird because everybody's doing that and you have great racers you're against? Like if you're at a fling event, how are you going to teach somebody to hold numbers and understand, did I get rid of enough? Well, that, that's a great question. Uh, and I think that's something you have to progressive. I would progressively teach them over time. Um, more specifically to answer your question, Casey, is I would, I would, um, before they get that time slip, if I was helping out a youngster, I, I would grab that time slip at the time slip booth and I would, to ask them who got that first and by how much. Um, doing stuff like that is what's going to get them to the next level. Um, until then, until they get to the next level, I'm going to tell them to keep it basic and lay down some good numbers, lay down some good laps, lay down, you know, I'm going to set you up to be five if you tag it, maybe 15 if you don't get all of it and I'm putting you dead on and I want you to, 
I'm not asking you not to drive. I'm asking you to pay attention, but I want you to pay attention at the finish line. And that's how you're going to learn to get to the next level. But before you go out there and I think it's just as important what you don't tell these kids as, as what you do tell them, because it's real easy to get caught up and listen to the whole pits talking about this guy's holding this much and he's winning hold that much. And I need to do this. And the trick of the week is that, no, I would say, come here, let's sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you to what you should focus on. And it's very simple. It's, uh, I would keep that game plan very, very simple at the start. Right. There's always more than one way to skin a cat, and there's plenty of people. Like you said, Jimmy DeFrank, he's won, you, you know, just as much as anybody in those class racing type deals, too. And like you said, he might hit the tree and run the number more often than not as well. But, uh, you know, kind of going off what we were talking about earlier with sponsorships and professional driving and ability to actually make a living bracket racing nowadays, obviously there's still a lot of pull with, say, an NHRA as far as racers gaining sponsorships. Do you think with the expansion of big money bracket racing and the publicity that it gets on Motor Mania and Bank Shift and Drag Racer TV and GBR, all this stuff, do you think now there's the opportunity to go to these companies and say, hey, I'm not a class racer, but I am a big money bracket racer because to me it seems like you get a whole lot more TV time on Motor Mania uh, for all your sponsors than you can get even winning an NHRA national event as far as class racing goes, other than the fact Maybe you get in national drags, you get on NHRA's website, but if, for example, if you win a big money bracket race, you're on the Motor Mania Spring Fling, and then Peter Biondo comes and interviews you in the winner's circle, or Nate, you know, whoever's working at the time, interviews you in the winner's circle, and then you get interviewed on GBR, and you're all over Facebook on all of these people, but you're going directly to the customers that you want a lot of times. Yeah, and, and to answer your question, yes, now more than ever, a bracket racer can get a sponsorship um, easier than they could in the past because of what you just mentioned, because of the live feeds. Um, what I think is equally as a, or more important is to like a company like K&N, I'll give you a for instance, we sat down with them. They've been a sponsor with us since day one at the fling at a uh, at our uh, spring fling since 2010 and learning what they call it deliverables learning what is important to them and you might you'd be really surprised it might be something a lot easier than you think to provide them with that's so important to them um so you get that you, you get what's important to them you know, just try to get the right guy on the phone and, and get what's important to them. And uh, at the end of the day, if you can um, if you can blow up his inbox with stuff that gets his attention because that's what's important to them, that they could spread throughout their social media platforms, et cetera, that's, uh, that's what's going to get it done. Definitely. I want to say that uh, I was listening to I was listening to a podcast, which pretty much all I ever do, it seems like, but uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and they were saying that, believe it or not, Jags, I think, as far as drag racing goes, is only maybe like 10 or 20% of their entire sales. It's actually more so your street cars and your hot rods, and that's who they want to touch, believe it or not. And, you know, and I could be, I could be remembering that wrong, or I could have heard it wrong, but I'm fairly certain that's what it said. But, but normal drag racers like us, you know, that never thought about that before, you you would never think that. You would think, of course, that's where you buy your parts from. You know, you call Chance Performance Parts and you buy parts from him, stuff like that. But it's, uh, it's interesting whenever you really get down to it to see what people really do want as far as publicity goes, because it might not necessarily be to who you think. Yeah, it's not, it's a lot less about winning rounds and a lot more about what they call deliverables than most people might think and i i'm still learning um i was surprised to hear about knn said uh you know if i didn't we didn't have that meeting with them we might have lost our sponsorship just because we weren't keeping close uh we didn't have a finger on a pulse of what was really important to them right i guess ultimately at the end of the day the name of the game is if they're going to give you money they don't just want to give you money they want a return on their investment just like anybody else does on anything they would do so 
Um, we all got to remember that they're not just trying to help us out. They're trying to sell products as well. That's their goal. 100%. Right, right. So we're coming up. We're coming up to probably, in my opinion, Pete, one of the most, I think it's the toughest question. It may be easy for you uh, to answer. Oh but everyone that we've had on this show can, uh, seemingly has, has fumbled over this one a little bit. Um, uh, so I, I guess it's time to ask, who do you consider to be amongst the greats of all time right now in our sport of bracket racing? And I'm going to throw in a why question at the same time. The floor is yours. Holy moly, that's a loaded question, dude. <laughs> um, that's a loaded question. Um, so just to, I mean, is there any subcategories here as far as top bulb, bottom bulb, or NHRA, or class racer, or, or where do you want here? I actually like it to, for you to be as open as you want to be. I like the bracket racing format more so uh, in, in bracket racing since we are the going bracket racing YouTube channel. But some of those class racers are bracket racers too. So when you're mentioning them as a class racer, I mean, it kind of carries over to the, you know, to the bracket racers. Well, okay. Answer how you feel. Okay, so I'll start with this. There's always, especially when people start drinking, there's always this <laughs> talk on who's the best and and if Gary Williams always comes into the conversation my name comes into the conversation with uh Scotty Richardson comes into the com name comes into the conversation I'm, and I am going to answer your question but what I say cuz uh Troy got a hold of me uh Williams at uh, Vegas and we had this talk and I said listen man I said you got hundreds of people that watched Scotty and Edmund Richardson in Texas, uh, they saw it firsthand throughout the 80s and 90s. They saw them do things that they didn't think was possible. So that group's going to think that they're the best. Uh, you, you, let's move to the West. You saw Kyle Seipel uh, win 15 division uh, ET finals. And people watched that firsthand. So those people are going to say, that he's the best. Why? Because they saw it firsthand. They witnessed it firsthand, not by computer hearsay or anything. Uh, you go to the Southeast, Gary Williams, Troy Williams, any part of the country, um, you go to the Northeast and the people that watched me clean up at ACO and they're going to say they watched me do things they didn't think was possible. So they're going to say I'm the best. Uh, so I going with that said, there's a lot of racers that aren't that don't get named in that circle. Kevin Brannon, the guy's yep. rock solid. Nick Folk, these yep. guys are they could they could hang with the best of them. Uh, so there there is so many. Um, I think those two guys are very notable because they very rarely get mentioned in this topic, but they're both very hard to beat they always make solid runs uh right now i'm i'd have to say nick hastings that that's who i think is doing the most incredible job all things considered um that's uh that's my pick now since you said that i want to ask you the exact same thing because we were talking about this with galen and Britt last week whenever we were on the show and Rick Cummings said the exact same thing that you said, and I don't disagree at all. The question I asked Britt is, can you can you say Nick Hastings is the greatest of all time right now? And this is the only reason why, is because the way that Scotty and yourself and uh, and Gary and Troy Williams. The way those guys race, Nick Hastings has effectively perfected that, in my opinion. But it's one thing, this is exactly what I told Britt last week, and I want to get your opinion on it. It's one thing to learn to build a house from scratch. It's another thing to learn to build a house from your dad and build a mansion. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and and listen, it, it's, it's the way I, I come to that answer 
more so the way he's doing it. I mean, all he, my jaw drops. And, and listen, I've I've competed at all all the different levels of sportsman racing, bracket racing, NHRA racing, and I feel like I uh, can hang. I can hang with them. When I see him go, <laughs> when I see him swap feet and do the things he does, um, the way he does it, and constantly, consistently finds a way to turn that wind light on. Um, Sarah is definitely a you know you gotta you gotta get him into this conversation because he's another guy that uh, finds a way to turn the wind light on. Uh, I watch a lot of these events. Both from the tower to uh, fling events and like Johnny Zell, Sarah, um, Kevin Brandon, like you said, th those are the type of guys who, if they're close on the tree, they seem to find a way to turn the wind light on. Lupa Gacky's another one. Uh, but what stands out from the crowd to me, because of how he does it, is Nick Hastings. I and agree. He doesn't, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't claim to hold seven. He doesn't seem to have a big ego. He just gets it done. And at the end definitely. of the day, we're all, we're all looking to turn that wind light on. Definitely. And that's that. I agree with that 100% because if you go look at Drag Story, where you can see every single Motor Mania feed on paper, in my opinion, a lot of people go through here and they say, oh, man, like, for example, you can look through and, uh, it doesn't happen that often, but you sometimes can look through and be like, well, Nick Hastings just got lucky this whole race because he was only like 15 to 20 on the tree and ends up in the finals. And it's like, yeah, but looking at it on paper, it should also make you be like, what did that look like on the track that Nick Hastings screwed so many people up going down the track? What it looked like that he still could turn that bad light into a wind light. Scotty Richardson does that a lot, too, I think. Yeah, and yeah, even, and even Sarah. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. And and uh, you know you got to remember, guys. He's swapping feet. He's swapping feet. A lot of times it's nighttime racing. So I don't know how much experience you guys have with nighttime racing and bottom bulb racing, but it's probably a little bit hotter at night because the bulbs kind of bleed off and run together. Uh, but it, it, I'm telling you, man, it's it's amazing what he's doing right now. Amazing. So, I mean, you forget half of the time you're watching, he's in the semifinals versus Sarah, let's say, and you're not even thinking about the fact that he's swapping feet. You're just saying, oh, right. this is going to be a good race. I mean, it's, that, it's incredible. And that being said, what I just said a minute ago where you're like, oh, how Nick Hastings be 15 to 20. Well, that's why is because that's not a bad light for bottom bowl. But the funny thing is, it's now that you say that, it brings it back to my attention that he is swapping feet most of the time. And that's not a Nick Hastings light because usually he's double O more than <laughs> I know he's double O more than I am, and I'm not leaving off the foot. <laughs> Maybe that's what makes it so impressive too, uh, because like you're saying, he's, it, it doesn't matter if you put him in no box. Don't matter if you put him in top. The guy is going to load a lot of people up on the trailer before he's done for the night. It's just the way it is. It, I think everybody here who. Everyone watching this show who has watched any bit of Motor Mania or a bang shift in the last, heck, two years, three years, I don't know how long Nasty Nick's been around, but I started catching on to his name just based on Motor Mania, and from that point forward, the guy's turning on, like you're saying, he turns on multiple wind lights um, day in and day out. So maybe that's what's making it, because I agree 100% that Nick, Nick is probably the best right now. Um, and he probably will go down as the best kind of period before it's all said and done but we got a long ways to go for that i think but um definitely so pete man hold on i got one more you got, thing you, that got, I added in. you got it it's and it's because whenever we were testing the show last night pete led on to the fact that he met rodney finchin for the first time obviously as all of us had at this point <laughs> and he said he has a good story and i said well set it for the stream if you can so pete Tell us about the first time you met Rodney Fincher. I mean, we haven't heard this story yet either, guys. So, <laughs> so, so first of all, you have to re you have to realize you got a guy from Queens, New York, and a guy from K Kentucky, right? <laughs> and, Tennessee, Tennessee. and I mean, 
the the language barrier, so to speak. That that's let me start with that. So we're at Jared's footbreak race, Big Jed uh, footbreak world footbreak challenge, and um, the week before there was a national event. So I decided to stay over with our, you know, total home and stacker because uh, I'm gonna run my stocker and. Uh, I kind of keep to myself when I'm racing. Um, not so much that I'm unsociable, but I'm I'm just focused on racing and it's just what I do. So, um, but two or three days go by, and you know, there's a tent right next to me, and there's just a lot of just, and I can't even understand what they're saying. They're just a lot of, a lot, of, yap, 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 you know, they're just, <laughs> and I'm like, man, like after like two days, I'm like. Uh, what what the heck is like who is this guy like what so anyway <laughs> we uh we finally get to meet and um <laughs> again the language barrier the way we the, trying to talk trying to complete a sentence to each other it was pretty tough but uh his son at the time which i think is jake ball uh yeah. was very young at the time and um anyhow the story goes like this. He says, my son has been, you're his idol. Um, and he really wants to see me beat you. I'm like, okay. I don't know where he's going with this, but um, it goes, do you mind if we line up first round tomorrow? Um, you know, and uh, I'm like, oh, wow. All right. <laughs> that's, that's a, yeah, no, I don't mind at all. That, that's cool. So uh, we lined up first round and he beat me. Fincham did, and uh, he told me it made his son's day and it made his son's year. And um, I don't know, it's it, it's hard to it's hard to really tell a story. It's kind of one of the ones you have to have to be there. But just picture me in a big stacker trailer and him in his tent. You couldn't come from opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh, and and then you get to know him. And and when he started talking to me at first, and he was just you know how he tells a story. And, uh, He's telling we get back to the pit after we whip my butt and and his son's all, you know, eyes this big, he's all proud of his father and, and the way Fincham's telling a story, you had me at three thirty and I seen you looking at me and you gave it a little rip rip and I gave it a little rip rip and I mean he just had the whole race just down to the down to the millisecond. Uh but that's my story with Fincham. We became really good friends ever since. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Well, absolutely. Pete, before we let you out of here, we got to do this too. We do it all the time. The floor is yours to thank anyone that you would like. Um, it, it doesn't matter how long this goes. I don't really mind. I'll be late to my son's kindergarten graduation. So <laughs> it'll be all right. <laughs> all right. Well, I appreciate the time. Uh, first of all, thank you guys for uh, having me on. I caught Wendy, you guys, about two months ago, and I thought you had a genuine genuine uh delivery good dynamic so uh, i appreciate anything what you guys do is good for the sport uh thank you to uh mainly i want to thank my staff at the flings because they put their life on hold uh four weeks out of the year and work their butts off and uh we're like one big family but with that, there's always a lot, there's, with any, with any uh, business, and especially with me, I'm a perfectionist. Uh, I may not be the easiest guy to deal with all of the time because of that, but they, there's so much love and there's so much, uh, there's such a good vibe uh, with my staff that I want to thank them. Uh, and leading that, leading that stack is my wife. Uh, Emily and uh, since Kyle Seipel passed away, um, she really stepped up and and she's she's now mainly my uh, my right hand person. So uh, I want to thank that and and I want to thank the racers. Secondly, uh, because without them there'd be no flings. And recently we rolled out a new format uh, where. We run them A, B, C, and I know uh, Casey, you were there at uh, at uh, Galat. 
where we run them where the doubles run separate from the singles for the first two rounds. Um, you know, I drew it out on paper over over the whole winter, and I was really confident in it. But then the day before we rolled it out, of course, I'm like, oh man, this is <laughs> now we're about it's about to happen. And uh, I want to really thank the racers because they've they've not only um, accepted it, but they followed it to a T. They made it easy on on us and. Um, you know, at the end of the day, I say if we got good racers and, and good weather, we can do almost anything. And uh, so appreciate the racers for not only showing up with gas through the roof, fuel prices, uh, but also for uh, going with our new format and uh, making it making it look easy. Absolutely, man. Well, we, we can't tell you how much it means to us that you come on the show here on GBR again. If you guys haven't clicked it already, click the subscribe, click the like and follows button on Facebook, share it all around. We got to thank TSR Racing Products, BRG 3D Printed Parts, Champs Performance Parts, Simtex Printing out there in Temple, Texas, and of course, Driven Racing Oil, where you use the code GBR10, get 10% off your order. They'll ship it right to your house for free, anything over 99 bucks. But other than that, what do we say, George? As always, guys, thanks for joining in, and we will see you next Tuesday. Have a good one.